Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Today we're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde, USC football expert. We want to talk about what's going on at Center Workouts, answer a lot of your questions about this USC football program. It's July already, going to be fall camp in about a month. We're going to talk to the coach about everything that's coming up with the program. So if you have any questions or comments, we love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. You can leave us a voicemail at 206 888 6755 or go right to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Leave us a voicemail right on the left side of the page. So without further ado, let's bring in the coach. How you doing, buddy? I am doing great, Ryan. Thank you very much for having me on. I know you've been busy. Eugene, Portland, all these camps you're going to, looking at all these tremendous prospects. And by the way, thank you very much. I've never been called an expert before. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty top of the line. Uh, I'm not quite an expert. All I do is uh, just give my opinion and have a lot of fun talking football. Well, you are a football expert for sure. And you've been covering this team for quite a while. And uh, if you want to follow Coach Harvey Hyde on Twitter, you can do that at Coach Harvey Hyde. And I do apologize. Hopefully you guys can hear us okay. We are, I'm up at the Nike headquarters uh, in Beaverton, Oregon for the opening. And I've been up here all week, and so we're doing a little, I'm a little cubicle coach, kind of tucked away in the corner in the Tiger Woods building. Uh, lots of athletes kind of come in and out, so it's a little crazy, but we wanted to be able to do the show. Uh, so we're taking it on the road. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it's okay with you. I think it's absolutely fabulous. It really is, and you're right on top of everything in recruiting, and you give everybody uh, up to the minute uh, of what the happenings are up there. And I think I'm looking forward to looking up uh, tonight on uscfootball.com and finding out just what you're seeing yeah we put up a ton of content uh from up here i talked to a couple of you know uh athletes that are here that are committed to usc that usc has five commits there's a couple more that potentially could be coming so and a lot of usc targets up here as well so check out uscfootball.com for all that but we're going to talk about the current team coach and we had a whole bunch of questions this week for you so i'll jump right in with gregory from orange county he says football coaches struggle to find balance between work and family. How do coaches successfully navigate the demands of running an elite college football program while maintaining a happy home life? Well, I'll tell you, it's, um, first of all, you have to have a unique marriage. Uh, who your wife is has to understand what football means to you and what working with kids means to you and what it means to you as far as making a good marriage because you're able to do what you want to do. And she's got to understand that what you are and who you are requires you to be away a lot, a lot from home and activities that normal guys who work 9 to 5, and a lot of people are 9 to 5 workers who are listening, uh, have the opportunity to go to all the Little League games and coach the Little League teams and, and do a lot of the things that football coaches can't do because they're too busy coaching and taking care of young men who are part of their football program. It's funny, I was talking to someone today at lunch about uh, football players and and how they become your family, and uh, they asked me about kids who occasionally get in trouble, and, and I said, yeah, they do. They get in trouble occasionally. They're just kids. 
They do dumb things. They're sorry for it, but they make big headlines in doing these dumb things. And I said, immediately, who does the media call for the reason why this young man did that? He calls the football coach. He says, well, why did this kid do this? Or what's the facts on this? And I, in my mind, say, well, have you called his parents? Have you called his mom or dad and asked them why? Or have you called the dean of admissions who admitted him? Or have you talked to the dean of student activities because it was something that happened on campus? I only see him during football practice and workouts. Uh, but, you know, you don't say those things, but you're responsible for a young man 24 hours a day. So my phone uh, was never turned off. I received phone calls continuously from players, parents, administrators, media, 24 hours a day, even when I was at home. But it's hard to have a normal family atmosphere as far as uh, when you're a football coach. I remember that we used to play in bowl games, and we used to have to practice on Thanksgiving when most people are home all day. Uh, we were we were uh, practicing and then cutting the turkey somewhere else, or during the Christmas holidays. I remember we played in the California Bowl against Toledo. Well, the game was something like the 21st of December, where most of our Christmas was spent in Fresno. So it's a little bit different than what most jobs are. But you know, if you have a happy husband and a understanding wife who loves to see you happy. She's responsible for a lot of the things that you normally do together. Uh, but the quality time you have to have with your family when you're not away from home has to be super. just has to be great. You have to love your kids, love your wife, show the love in your family, share your experiences with those kids, invite them to the game, have them on the sideline if you can. They've got to be a part of your life, and they've got to understand what Dad is doing, and they've got to know Dad loves what they're doing. So I think that's the best way to explain it, Ryan. No, oh, that makes sense, Coach. At least, hey, at least nowadays they get paid pretty well. So, yeah, you're not oh, home yeah. a lot, but you get paid well. <laughs> yeah, I, w I would say today, look at Daddy's check. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, well, thanks for that one. Uh, let's go to Paul in Vegas. So your neck of the woods, Coach. He says, First, kudos to Coach. Been listening to his wisdom and insight via the podcast for several years. I like the way he thinks. Uh, now the question, if Coach were calling the shots this season, how much playing time would he give Max Brown beyond mop-up duty, even going so far as to put him in unexpectedly during contested games to provide him that type of backup experience as if Cody had to come out? Thanks, as always, Paul in Vegas. Well, Paul, you're smart by saying that because, remember, Max Browns, if he's still the starter come next September, will be opening up in Arlington against the University of Alabama. So this is a game that most people will be looking at. It will be nationally publicized. Not that this year isn't a great, important season, but you've always got to get your second quarterback ready to play. And I think uh, this year, fortunately, the Trojans should – have an outstanding season, except I, I really believe they are. And someday when we get closer to the season, we can go through the schedule and I can give you my actual opinion on what I think should happen this season. And if it doesn't happen in certain seasons or this certain way, then we'll talk about it each week. But I think that, yes, Max should get a lot of turns, but not to jeopardize a win or loss. If it's a close ball game, you're not going to pull Cody Kessler out because he's not having a great game. You're not going to do that to Cody Kessler. You're not going to do that 
to your football team. He's your leader. He's the guy. But once you get up and you're in control of a football game, uh, that might be the only person you substitute. You don't mass substitute. You allow him to play with your best players to get into a rhythm so that he gains confidence and experiences success. You want the kid to have success. You don't want the kid to go in and just hand the ball off either. You want him to go in, have a game plan, be able to be in charge, get your signals, run the play, audibleize, do all of the above. Have success. And I think they're going to be able to do that in some games this year, especially their first two games. And rather than go for stats or how many touchdown passes you can uh, throw or how many touchdown scores you can have, I would really give Max some turns where he was able to go with the first unit, have some great success, build a lot of confidence, not only with the kid, Max Brown, but with your entire football program, fans, family, everyone to know you have a quality backup. Good stuff there, Coach. That's going to be a hotly contested item, how much Max Brown plays this year. So uh, we'll be watching that throughout the season, of course. Um, Melvin had a question, and maybe this is part of the reason why people are talking about Max Brown playing, because I think people do feel confident about this offense being able to score points. They think they're going to get a big lead. And Melvin says, I think most of us are optimistic about the offense performing well this coming year. What about the defense, especially thinking about all those fourth-quarter leads in which disappeared last year? Are you optimistic about our defense from Melvin? Well, uh, let me put it to you this way. You never take your foot off the gas pedal. When you're offensively, you still play the same game. You don't pull back and, and try to, of course, you utilize the clock when you can, but you got to keep the pressure on to keep your defense off and let them rest. rest. You don't just say, okay, we're up by two touchdowns, three touchdowns. Okay, defense, take over. No, you got to still play at a level of intensity and confidence that you play the entire game. Offensively, defensively, and, and play calling and stunning and all the things you do on the defensive side of the football. I think the defense this year should be an outstanding defense. I think their secondary will be better. I think their linebackers will be just as good or maybe potentially better. I think that they've got some great freshman linebackers coming in that can really play and as they gain experience really be good. I think they've got to assist the defensive line, and we've talked about this before. I think we've got some kids that have played in the defensive line in Pallone and Simmons and Woods. And Bigelow hasn't really had a lot of turns because I think he can be a good football player. Jordan Simmons is now over there. He's a big, strong kid. If he goes over there and does well, I think they'll move Bigelow to a defensive end or defensive tackle and keep Jordan on the nose where Woods plays. And you got to assist them. You can't just depend on them every down to dominate and allow teams to run at them or, or try to expect them to get to the quarterback every passing down. You've got to go after people. you got to have fun. You know, if you don't take a chance in life or gamble, you're never going to get or be big time. So you got to take some chances sometimes because you have great corners, you have great secondaries, you can lock up, and you can play some great man coverage, but you got to get to the, uh, the quarterback. So I, I think you can have fun on defense with this group, but they all run pretty well. The defensive front doesn't run as well as you want them to run, so you got to send people through that they can run. So I think if the defense plays smart football and utilizes their top athletes in great positions and helps the area that needs to be helped, I think the defensive side of the football 
will come along and get better each game, hoping that by the Stanford game you're ready because the Stanford team's going to run at you. So you better get ready to take on a lot of powers and blasts and play-action passes and things that Stanford does. Stanford will not change. Stanford is Stanford. So you got to get ready for that. And I think they have guys that are the type of linebackers now, new linebackers coming in, that are physical type of kids that will be able to play Stanford. I think they recruited specifically for that. So, you know, I'd be very disappointed not to see the defense because they're all great players, highly ranked players that have been recruited, four or five stars. We'll see all of them do well on the defensive side of the football. So I'll, I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't change the roster with USC, and I say this every year with any other team in the Pac-12. And I'm saying the same thing again this year. I wouldn't change their roster with any other team in the Pac-12. Because all teams in the Pac-12, or all teams nationally, have strong points and points in areas they need to you know, cover up or work with getting better at. But I still wouldn't change rosters. You know, you mentioned the defensive lineman coach and some of the names. Tarek had a question for you because um, a, you know, a bunch of those guys are coming back. He said, Coach Steve Sarkeesian said in a post-game conference after the UCLA game that we needed to develop our defensive linemen like UCLA does. How do we go about doing that from Tarek? Well, first of all, you got to recruit great defensive linemen. You know, Vanderdose was an SC recruit. They went to Notre Dame and then bounced back. And somehow, I don't know how you get eligible after moving one from one school to the other immediately, but he did it. And Clark's a great player. So, you know, you don't take a, a player that can't play and make him a great player. player's got to have the athletic ability, and once he has the athletic ability and size and strength and is willing to work hard and, and, and dot the I, then you can coach a kid like that to become a great player. So these players at UCLA have that play on the defensive side of the football recently that have been really doing well have, first of all, been placed in a position where they can be successful. Anthony Barr. It was the first-round draft choice. was not very successful until Moore decided to play him at defensive end. It's the first-round draft choice. So it's very important you put your players in a position where they can be successful. Don't ask someone to do something they can't do. And I think that Vanderdose and Clark and some of these other defensive players that UCLA has, they've now moved uh, Miles Jack to the middle. Perfect move. Great speed. Why just have him play one half of the field? Let him play the whole field now from the middle. Kendrick's played the whole field from the middle, and he was outstanding. In fact, I think he left, I don't know, set a record or led the conference in tackles in the Pac-12. So, yes, you've got to put your players where they can play and perform what you ask them to do. And, again, you've got to recruit players. If you don't recruit players that can play the defensive front, and I think they've got some kids coming in, Noah Jefferson and Daniels and, uh, uh, Rashid and Green and these guys. Hey, they can, these guys can play, but you got to bring them along. You got to tell them step to the front of the line, son. Make somebody get angry, but you're trying to take their position. And uh, if you're eager, and I told you earlier what I'd be doing with those young players, I'd say, hey, every one of these positions are open. No one owns them. It's like a freeway. You just get on there and you start playing and get in the left hand lane and don't have any speed limit. Uh, good stuff there, Coach. Thanks for that. Um, we're going to go, let's see, uh, Dennison Lancaster. He says, my question is for Coach Harvey Hyde. What returning player on offense and defense has made the biggest improvements from last year? Uh, and then he also says, here's a suggestion for your Monday podcast. 
how you end it with a classic Coach Harvey Hyde story is always enjoyable uh, and insightful and entertaining. I love his stories. Love the show. Well, thank you very much. Uh, one of my friends were in Lancaster yesterday for a little league game. Oh. They lost 20 to 17. Sounds like a football it score, does. doesn't it? That's more of a football <laughs> game. They lost 20 to 17, but uh, he was all optimistic because his granddaughter did well, and that's what it counts. Yeah. That's what counts. Kids got to have fun. But as far as I think in the spring, uh, I thought Kevin Seymour really improved a lot. Uh, would you agree with me, Ryan, on that? If I had to pick one among the whole group, I would say Kevin Seymour and probably Tucker. That they moved inside, I thought he had a good spring. And and Lamar Dawson, I, or uh, yeah, the linebacker, fifty-five with Lamar, Lamar, Lamar yeah. right? Yeah, Lamar Dawson. Yeah, I thought I thought between Seymour and Dawson, those are the two biggest improvements. Would you agree? Yeah, I think Kevon Seymour. I probably would put Dawson just because he was not really doing anything, and it, it, he was written off. And now he's going to be a huge part of this team. But I thought Kevon Seymour, and he, you know, he's got to come in and play well because you got Iman Marshall coming in and. Now, he looks like he can play right now, so you want to stay on the field? Uh, Kevon Seymour's going to have to keep playing well, but I thought he improved a lot over last year. You know, let, uh, Leon McQuay, too. I think he got better at the end of the year, and uh, he's going to play cornerback more. Um, he's another guy. I think there's a lot of guys that are good candidates, but the, the, the guys you mentioned, they're, they're probably the top. I agree with you 100%. And, and the, the guys I saw in the spring, I think those guys impressed me the most. And you're right about Lamar. I mean, uh, you know, he was... Uh, pronounced dead last year okay? <laughs> yep and all of a sudden uh he came back with a different attitude and more uh desire to play and flew around and intercepted balls and right now he's number one on the depth chart and he should be as far as i'm concerned all right uh well, the, how about the offensive side any, any uh oh the play? offensive side wow I'm telling you, I think the offensive side is as good as it can get. It's pretty uh, sad. I really mean yeah. Boy, oh boy, to say who improved the most. Uh, I think Banner was pushed a lot by this young freshman tackle from uh, um, Georgia. Um, I think that he improved. He, he played hard on every down. He knows that his position is being challenged. Um Stephen Mitchell would probably I think, be. So I think I think Connor. I think the tight end Connor Spears. To me, yeah. yeah, there's no question in my mind that he can play, and he's the biggest surprise of the spring. What would you think? Yeah, I would say those guys. I think Stephen Mitchell too, like just because he's coming off the injury, he looked really good. And this is, of course, we're talking about watching spring or summer. Like it's not improvement. We'll really know a few games in the season more than that. But you know, Stephen Mitchell was one of those guys that was really impressive in the spring too. 100%, and he's playing like he played in high school. He was unstoppable in high school, and he's starting to play like that at USC. Great kid, great ability. I tell you, uh, quite an offensive um, setup with a lot of explosion inside us in the offensive line. Returning quarterback, uh, uh, quite a quite an offensive uh, group returning. Quite impressive. Uh, we got one last one for you from Rez2. And he wants to try to make the regular season, so he has a, a proposal for you, Coach. Wants to make the regular season more competitive, but continue to help some of the lower division teams, and all the while make spring ball more exciting. So he kind of like a long, drawn-out thing, but I'll read you his bullet points, um, his proposition, and he wants to get your thoughts on it. 
So he would say Division One schools, um, so F, uh, FBS, I guess it's called now, um, it would eliminate playing non-other, non you can't play F other uh, non-FBS schools anymore. So you only can play, um, FBS schools can only play FBS schools. But you can have two spring games, and the spring games will be actual games as opposed to organized practices. And in those games, you could play uh, lower, like a lower division team um, to, for a competition, and, and you know, so you help those division teams, but you're not doing that during the regular season. So that was kind of his proposal to help the lower divisions by still getting a chance to play some of the big boys, but make it more of an even playing field. So no, t you don't have someone playing a Townsend State or something like that. And you know, USC's playing Notre Dame and Alabama's playing Townsend State, stuff like that. Well, it, it sounds good, but uh, it isn't going to happen. First of all, in the spring, you've got different type of philosophies of what you're trying to prepare and what you're trying to do got a lot of rehabbing going on, teaching going on, and you're not prepared to play uh, two football games in the spring because you'll have to lose somebody, somebody get hurt, and when the real season comes around, uh, you're, you're injured because of uh, having some type of, of circus in the spring or, or games against teams uh, that are, you're only playing them is to, to get them some type of financial aid. There's no other reason to play them. And that's the only reason if I was one of those schools, I'd play USC or anybody. Uh, in the fall, it's almost impossible now to get a schedule without using some of these other schools like SC is doing, Idaho and Arkansas State, because they're just on enough teams that have the flexible schedule that can fill all the games on your schedule. Uh, there's so many dates that you have, and uh, if you notice now, uh, some schools are especially scheduling this way to have some breaks during the season so they don't have to play that type of competition the entire year. In fact, they're taking the model of what the Southeastern Conference has done because so many of the Southeastern Conference teams are getting into bowl games and playing for the national championship and having great records, so other schools are looking at their model. And uh, not only that, these other schools, like from the Mountain West and Mid-American, these schools have to play to be able to balance their budgets. And in some cases, they're not even balancing their budget. Like UNLV is playing UCLA, and they're playing them at UCLA, but then they have to go to UCLA next year, and they'll probably get a million five to play at UCLA. Uh, they'll be playing USC in the future. I don't know if it's been announced yet. They'll be going to Ohio State in the future, UNLV. Why? Because they have to have those type of games that balance their budget. So if you don't have those type of games, then basically you're going to have a separate division. They won't be Division One as they call them now. They will be the super conferences and then the regular Division One, then Division One a Division Two and so on, because the other conferences will not be able to compete, and it's going to be very difficult for these other conferences to, to compete anyway once they decide to give a stipend to players on the higher level, the five conferences, uh, money on top of uh, their scholarships, because that will just completely separate the competitiveness of these, these, these you know other schools that play uh, the super conferences now. But I don't think that will change. I think that because of the big conferences needing games and the other conferences needing money, that they'll maintain this type of format. 
Thanks for that question, Rez, too, and uh, interesting proposal. I kind of I would like some preseason sort of games, and I guess the spring games would be like that, but we'll see. I think there's changes down the road, Coach, when, uh, you know, if we get these super conferences and maybe just a separation from the NCAA altogether. But there's, I think there's changes coming down the next decade or so. It'll be fun to kind of watch and see how college football develops. It's still growing. It's still, you know, one of the most popular sports in the country, and uh, that's why we love to talk about it 24-7. <laughs> Yep, and, and I know you're doing it 24-7, yeah. too. Uh, for everyone out there, grab your publications. They're out. Uh, get prepared uh, for the season. It all starts, uh, what's the first day of practice, Ryan? August the 10th uh, or something? August like 8th. Yeah, it's very late August start 8th. this year. Yeah. yeah, late start. So school starts August a couple 8th. weeks after that. So it's it's changing uh, fall camp a little bit with you know only a couple weeks of camp. And then with school starting, that kind of screws up the whole schedule or changes the whole schedule. And uh, very interesting. Very as well. Football will be here soon, so all of you out there, enjoy your uh, summer uh, vacation. I guess it's hot up in Oregon, huh? It's hot. It's hot up here. Uh, it's about ninety or so, low nineties. But they've been they've been like having high nineties, hundreds before. So I guess we got a little lucky. Uh, but yeah, just been uh, covering the opening up here. We'll continue to do that and check uscfootball.com for all the latest. And again, buddy, I want to thank you very much for checking in. We're doing a midweek podcast, but. We're here, getting after it. We want to wish all of you a great week, and thank you very much for being a part of our broadcast. Cool. Thanks, Coach. Thanks for coming on on a Wednesday because we're traveling on that Monday. And uh, everyone else, thank you very much. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast. We will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.